0: report everything status quo sir very well
1: if um anyone needs me i'll be in my bedroom
0: Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week, we bring you an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and all the behind-the-scenes stories of making that episode. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services of Paramount. With me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, the ex-head of resources management. Brandon, I'm doing pretty good today. Do you have anything to say about that? That's good. Are you feeling more like a yima or a Katairo today? <laughs> Definitely a Katairo. You know a how, these, how these days go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How That's, about you? Uh, are you? Are you are Yima-san today? Well, I guess I would have to be yima today if you're a Katairo. Oh, given the nature you know? of our partnership, for sure. It's, it's it's a duality. Right. It's a symbiote circle, you know? <laughs> right, a real yin and a yang.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Um, did you know that, uh, you could watch Star Trek Discovery with Klingon subtitles? Uh, no, I did not know that. How did you find this out? Wikipedia. I see. Do you feel enriched? Um, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Um, Enough, I guess. Now do Only the- season one, I think. Do those subtitles use the Klingon alphabet or uh, our alphabet? Uh, let me try clicking on this source. Source? You have a source for that? Uh, Star Trek Discovery. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. It's it's probably it's it, they they probably didn't encode. <laughs> the klingon alphabet That would be sick though to be honest if That would be sick yeah uh, That I think is the full execution of the joke uh as it is right now like whatever It is a joke after all Klingon is a joke um despite how honorable they purport to be Despite it's uh it's duolingo's duo duoling- Ling- Lingo status. Ling was the linguistics <laughs> robot from The Simpsons.
1: <laughs> um.
0: <clears throat> All right. How are you? How am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, okay. Yes. That's fine. I had General Guo's chicken tonight. Oh, yeah? Did it make yeah. you a happy family? <laughs> Well, we'll see you in nine months. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know if it's just the internet rotting my brain, but I can't hear the phrase "happy family" without thinking of some bizarre corruption of it and just being displeased. Uh, what? I, I don't know. It, it's 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 like a mind virus. Happy family. Happy family.
1: Maybe maybe the-
0: it's just Western culture really corrupting my my impressions of a healthy nuclear family. <laughs> so what you're saying is the first thing you think of is not the Chinese dish. N- yes, exactly. Okay. You think of... I, I think of some bizarre... Uh, how to put this? Like a... Um, imagine like... Uh, a, a doujin? That's like... Oh, yeah, okay. I gotcha. That's all you need to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. See, this is why we do the podcast. You get me. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that actually exists out there with yeah with the, that exact name and the exact content you're thinking of. It's gotta, right? Like, do you remember Mai-chan's daily life? No, actually, but it sounds equally uh um... That might have been from like, before you were uh born. you were glued into the anime scene. <laughs> yeah before you were bored. <laughs> Um, no, there's, there's a, I can't speak to all of it, but, um, there's a scene where a guy shoves a baby into a blender. Ah, like the, yeah. um, the 3D modeling software. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, a blender. Uh, <laughs> um, so like, how graphic is it? It's pretty bad. uh uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. It's a popular one. Oh, speaking of which, I wanted to, uh. I wanted to um, save my 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 notes for this episode uh, as itty bitty baby itty bitty boat. Okay. Uh, you know, in reference to sins of the father. Right. right. Yes. You know, Twinkie House. I'm, Do you know this? I don't know this. I can't pretend it's, any longer. Um, it's 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 from a it's from a web called My Wild and Raunchy Son. This is going so far over my head. I can't believe you've never seen this before. We'll 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 talk about it off off mic. Okay. Now is this also, um, you know, dojin adjacent? Yeah, I mean it's 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 Western, but it's it's not like graphic. It's I mean there's obviously weird incest to it, mm. uh, all that stuff. But it's 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 got some um, some meme equity to it. I'm into that into the meme equity. Now, I in life, are you more of the itty bitty baby or the itty bitty boat? <laughs> well, no. See, they're they're two halves to a whole. I see. They too form a symbiote circle, yeah, you're right? <laughs> much like much like Yima Sada and Katairo. <laughs> Both great names, by the way. Like incredible names, aren't they? Oh, I'm really into Yima specifically, given that Yi just does not exist. He just doesn't exist, and yes. and Katairo. <laughs> is is such a bastardization of, of an actual name I buy it i like it a lot yeah it's um that's 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 the anime mind virus at work it is 410 to Yima-san.
1: <laughs>
0: although yeah you, you know imagine spending six years of your life and not the- not being able to draw any better. I mean, I can I can handle somebody that just isn't good at something. And despite their efforts, they just don't get better. Although I highly doubt this person was, was practicing. But um, the idea that you don't have the awareness to see that. And you're like, look at the progress I made. When, you know, you, you made zero progress. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Just the gall. Right, that's where it goes over the line for me. <laughs> um, i have to say this that searching for searching for Yamasada and katairo on google yields no results for this uh so i feel compelled to mention that we're talking about a uh, a series of deviant art drawings between the years of se- september 2006 and april 2012 which is not a niche topic at all Right. Well, you know, you can look up DeviantArt if 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 you're not uh, as internet savvy as we are. But uh it's 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 three drawings over the course of six years with, you know, three year intervals. Um they're all basically the same. And the 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 whole conceit is that this person was supposed to have improved.
1: Right. The idea is they,
0: you they, they did not redraw the same drawing after years right. of development to show your progress as an artist. Um, and and they're they're two lovers holding hands underneath an umbrella, and it seems um, in two thousand six they oh they were named in two thousand six, I think they were named then they were not named and then they were named again. No 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 they were n- named, but then then in two thousand nine Yima became Yima's son. Oh, and then and then they became named in twenty twelve. I see. Moving up in the world, really. Getting that respect. <laughs> so much lore to this. yeah. Uh, right? Yima-san. She probably introduces herself like that. That's how I introduce myself. <laughs> Not as Mitchell, but specifically as Yima-san. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I kind of forgot that we were recording a Star Trek podcast. Um, <laughs> I wish I could forget. Yeah, but we have orders to our business, and the first order of business, um, is the question of the week, which is mm. I don't know if you know this, but this is a question that we answer from the fans weekly, and um, oh, okay, it's a good enough question that it um, represents the week. It's the question of the week, mm. Mm. so. This week, this uh, the question comes from Kai Bood in Germany, who asks. He says, "Guten Tag, Admirals. Um, is Guten Tag hello or good morning? Guten Tag. Guten. Tag. Well, Guten is good, right? And Tag is a Klingon delicacy, right? So, so maybe it's not German at all, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be German Klingon hybrid, right? Like it ge- could be. germs clinging to you." Or like like how you know uh, weeb's pepper Japanese into their right now. you're English. What would you call the Klingon equivalent of a weeb? A kleeb? You know that exists too. A kleeb, that has to exist in universe, right? Like like a like s- a, a certain segment of population of the teenagers who are like, oh, I, I I love Kling.
1: <laughs> Dude, I wish I wish I was born on Kling.
0: If I was on Kling, I wouldn't get bullied every day at the academy. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Kling chicks are so hot. When I grow up, I'm moving to Kling. (laughs) I'm gonna teach English in Kling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be an ALT in Kling. (laughs) Man, well, I, I guess I guess we, uh, we we need to answer this Kleb's question. Guy, guy who spends two years studying uh, uh, Klingon and all he can say is kaplap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this guy says uh, a lot of us in the readier fandom have been wondering which two of which of the two of you has the stronger pop. Thank you for the show, and please consider making an appearance at Ready or Con, Kai. Well, mm-hmm. first of all... We'll think about it. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've had this request before, and we're tabling those discussions until... Well, it'll be between us and the organizers, but... Yeah. Anyway, um, do you know what this means? Has the stronger pa... The stronger pa? Pa. I chose this question specifically <clears throat> for this week. Um... Well, yeah, it's like chi. Exactly, actually, and in what culture do they describe this? Do they use the concept of pa? It's not the Klingons. It's not Klingons. This is a real question. This is not. This you, this has an answer. Quizzing you. And if you think about why I would know this and you don't, that'll help you find the answer. Cardassians. That's a good guess, but no. So the 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 answer is the Bajorans. On am Bajor. Mm. So what they do is they grab somebody's mm. ear. Oh, Bajor. They grab. Oh, isn't that, isn't that the planet that's uh that that they're circling around or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Which what, is. What, what, that's... What? That's the planet that the space station is next to, right? Yeah. That's the planet that DS9 is next to, right? Bezier? Right. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. They grab your ear. They grab your ear and they're like, oh, your paw is strong. I think every single person who's ever had their paw tested on screen has strong paw. Um, but <laughs> the reason I chose this question for this week is that paw is actually also the name of the Klingon vessel that Riker served on. In, uh... Oh my God! You're right. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I heard that, and I because I've been rewatching Deep Space Nine, I was like, "Wait, there's a connection here." I mean, not really, but it's just it's the fake alien words they circle back around. Wow. Maybe it was named in honor of the Bajorans. Maybe, maybe have the Bajorans and the Klingons ever interacted? I they have. Not really, no. Um, the Bajorans aren't part of the Federation, so they wouldn't be la- uh, grouped into that. the previous conflict with the Klingons and the Federation. Mm-hmm. But they're such a small planet, I don't think they ever really had much going on. They were occupied by Cardassia for a long time, too. Maybe, like, a thousand years ago, some, like, Klingon vessels stopped at, at Bajor bajor and uh bajor, and introduce them to this word and they've like appropriated it maybe so the, the whole concept of pa is cultural appropriation well not the concept but more the word i see i see well it's possible um but i've wanted to teach you this fact just so you know that i knew that um <laughs> well you are a big trek fan i'm a huge trekkie you're Trekkie. but the question remains um which one of us has the stronger paw? well, okay, if you want my opinion I mean I don't i but... think I think I could virtually squeeze the paw right out of you with my thumb and forefinger <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's an that's a threat I've never faced before to have the the paw wrung out of me like a like a container of toothpaste. it would be too easy, you think so mm-hmm i mean i'm I'm pawful, as they like to say, whereas you you know I'll say this you might have more paw stronger paw, but I have more honor <laughs> don't you forget it uh-huh well, honor it's good have you have you have you have you found your paw ah uh, no, ever since he left. Um, a few decades ago, he's. I mean, he's got to be dead by now. But I never did find him. Mm. Mm. It's a damn shame. I'm sorry to bring that up. It's okay. I mean, I, I got a little too heated. Yeah, but I always had good relations with my pea paw, which made up for the lack of paw. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, no, I, I I kind of understand that. I was I was always really close with my me Right, me paw pea hee haw, ewa. You know what donkeys say? What do they say? hee <laughs> <coughs> And that's not a lie. <laughs> so, um, if you are like Kai, and you have a question you want us to answer next week on our Question of the Week segment, send an email to at... No, to the ready room at gmail.com. It's capital T and two capital R's, or you can tweet at us at the Ready Room, and uh, we field questions of all shapes and sizes. Now, I unlike last week, where I kind of knew where you were at going into the episode, we have not at all shared our opinions on this week's episode prior to right now. Yeah, we haven't talked at all about this one. No, <laughs> no, it's part of our um, shunning, of the, our mutual shunning of each other. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm still not over it, but we'll we'll, we'll try. Let list. bygones be bygones for tonight, at least. Yeah, we'll let bygones be qui-gones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Topical. thank you. Now, I guess I'll start off. I liked mm. the. <laughs> I liked the conceit of this episode, but I I think once it hit maybe 40% through its length, I found it just to land at quite boring. You're an asshole. What? <laughs> You're insane. What are you talking about? Really? This is the best episode so far. No way. I mean, again, cons- oh, wow. conceptually, it's cool. I like exploring the Klingon culture. I like the the problem Worf is faced with and his, uh, his conundrum that he grapples with. I like all of that. However, the episode itself is just a lot of, a lot of boring dialogue. Boring! And it's boring. <laughs> it's not that it's because it's dialogue, it's boring. I don't need them to have a laser cannon fight. But, I don't know. the. It just gets bogged down in a lot of samey uh, discussions. You know what I will say? They may spend a little too much time in the Great Hall. Yes, um, but this this episode was so important for really solidifying um, Klingon culture. I, I agree with that. It's a very useful <laughs> episode in terms of the uh, what it brings to the lore of the series. And th- I mean that, like, so th- like this was entirely Ronald Moore. I mean, he basically created, and we take it for granted now, but he basically like with this episode created Klingon culture. Yeah. And this episode, the things it lays down, in addition to just creating a feel of Klingon culture that is replicated later on, um, ideas and concepts play real introduced in this episode play really big parts in future episodes. Like the whole Duras and his house um, become major yeah, antagonists. We get, a, we get a ton of episodes. I mean, even extending into Deep Space Nine. Yeah, same thing right? with uh, Worf's brother also uh, shows yeah. up throughout this series and into deep space nine who is actually i was pleasantly surprised to uh still feel like tony todd did a great job uh in that role usually usually when you when we're talking about i mean first of all guest actors Mm. are a shot in the dark but when you're going the extra step and you're making these characters so related to the main cast it's really easy to to mess that up yeah but uh i think i think tony did a really good job he did, and he, what I like even more is that um, he played the character distinct from how Dorn Michael Dorn played Worf. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not trying to copy him or anything. It wasn't, like, iterative, yeah. So just solid all around, to be certain. Um, with that in mind, I just think the, ac- the execution of the episode could have been better. Um, it could have also had an intriguing... I don't know political plot, in addition to the uh, the Klingon cultural elements, which are mm. r- really what works the most in the episode. And well, I, th- I thought the plot was inherently political. It's it's political, but it's not intriguing. Um, it's just you don't think so? Not really. No. So I, I so <laughs> this was. This was Michael Pillar's conceit too, is that people wouldn't find it intriguing, and so, um, it was made. Well, not because of this, but uh, sort of tangential to this, it, it was it was made a Wharf episode, really. I mean that this was kind of our, our idea for this this season anyway, is to make you know it's it's a Picard episode or it's a Wharf episode, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember Pillar's conceit is that, you know, people wouldn't find this this uh, this Klingon Empire issue terribly interesting, so let's kind of push most of the uh, emotional weight of the episode onto Worf. I mean, I think that checks out conceptually, the idea that we need to tie this to one of our main characters to make it more but it's, it's, it's interesting. it's it didn't work for you though. It worked more. I mean, certainly. I liked the Worf's brothers stuff, um, again, on a conceptual level. I just think the script was kind of weak. Um. Take these events and just rewrite the episode, and it could be good. It's not. Mm. There's nothing wrong with the story, I guess. It's just individual scenes unto themselves aren't all that exciting or interesting. Exciting's not the mm-hmm. right word, but um, interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if this has a lot to do with it because this script went through, you know, a few different rewrites, but the story here is sourced from two different episode concepts hmm. um i forget what they were one of them was one of them was about the Kleon empire no one of them was about one of them was about warf's brother and the other one was about the father moog so you have yeah moog son of moog <laughs> So you, you, like the first half of the episode is basically the first half of one script, and then the second half of the episode is whatever came from the other one. I don't think they're and that. It, it in, was Ronald well, Moore's hmm. job to kind of put that together. I don't think they're that incongruent um, when put together no, not like incongruent, this. No. But when you mention that, it is very easy to see exactly uh, where these are sourced from. Right, because you, you you kind of hit a high in <clears throat> in Kern's room where mm-hmm. Worf comes in and is like, "Why are you disrespecting me?" and all that stuff. Right. Which which is an odd high to hit in the middle of an episode. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fine little story unto itself, and then it just doesn't really figure into the latter half of the episode. But because everything is, I don't know, under this Klingon umbrella when you're watching the episode, it doesn't really feel all that out of place. No, no, no. I, I think, I think it works just fine. Um, <clears throat> I think, God, I, I, I don't, I don't really at all agree that it wasn't interesting. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I could even articulate why. Um, like I said, I think people, we, we spent a little too much time in the great hall um, only because that was a set that I think everyone was really happy with. Hmm. but aside from that, I mean, we only have like two scenes there, like two, two real scenes there. Yeah, and then know. maybe yeah. Picard. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you have the Picard stuff, which is really cool for his character, I think. And obviously made Patrick happy. I'm sure. Cause he gets to kill a guy. Yeah. I, I guess maybe the, the nurse thing was a little boring, kind of a boring way to, because it doesn't even factor into anything. Right, it's just a, um, it's just something that moves the the con- final confrontation along in a way that's... it wastes it wastes time really. <laughs> but I don't find um, I don't think the Picard stuff was really all that meaningful for his character to be honest. Um, you don't think so? I know. I mean, I to me it's more. It just serves to highlight the relationship he has with Worf, which sure um, is is fine. You know, that's a cool thing to call attention to, that Worf respects Picard so much that he'll be his uh, chadish. But Mm -hmm. once once Picard accepts that, which is not particularly revelatory, you kind of expect him to do that, he doesn't really do anything to... um... I know, shed further to give further insight into his character he just supports war i don't so. know i don't know if i would say it's revelatory but it's it's i don't think he's ever stuck his neck out for a member of the crew in in this particular kind of way no like, this is a per, this is like a personal family issue no but at the same time you're not surprised to see him do it i uh, mean maybe... i kind of no, i kind of am really yeah because i i swear we've had we've had episodes where picard has been characterized in such a way that he'd be like, you know, your your mission, your duty to Starfleet is much more important than, you know, whatever's going on. Mm. I mean, like, with these people who have completely forgotten who you are. You know? That's true. And maybe I'm being colored by my knowledge of where Picard's character Ooh, goes later in the series. Careful with that language. Uh, my, my, my bad. Apologies. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're being, you're being colored by my knowledge of where the series ultimately takes this character. Um, sure. Yeah. I'm i I'm, I'm kind of going by what we've seen so far. No, that's certainly the better, here. the better way to appraise it. I'm just uh, thinking back on it. It's like, yeah, you're right. This might, yeah. this might be more meaningful than I'm giving you credit for based on where it falls in the series chronology. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, this is kind of where this episode is kind of where everything gets turned around for the series. In terms of, like, you have these long plot threads, characters, like you said, you know, you're thinking of Picard how he, how he is in the future, and, and, you know, this may be where that's solidified. Mm.
1: Right?
0: In a certain way. Certainly a significant uh, episode. And, and before this, we'd never really... Alien cultures have always kind of been a plot device. Mm-hmm. As opposed to something that organically exists in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of the first time we're seeing, like, okay, another culture can can exist and have screen time, like significant screen time and be, like, legitimate and not just a problem to solve, right? And, ha- and have more depth than uh, everybody here wears the same hat. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and I think part of this is that um, something I really like, is how this episode kind of uses the, um, the audience's knowledge of Kleon culture to have a slight, I don't know if I'd call it a twist, but a, a surprising moment where yeah. um, when it comes out, how the Councils being duplicitous, uh, Worf and the audience at the same time are surprised by the inherent lack of honor to it all. Um, right. How they're willing to lie to cover up someone else. And you kind of feel this betrayal, you know, because you expect them to be, you know, oh, honor, this, that. And so does Worf. And really, the council is anything but. And it kind of prevents the the depiction of Klingons from being all that one-dimensional. When if you, the one Definitely. word you would define them by, they don't even, they don't care to stick by it. Mm-hmm because yeah, because they're they're more concerned with preserving their political structure right uh, than than honor really which makes a lot of sense I mean in, in terms of being a um, an institution you know yeah and if you're gonna have a society that is progresses through ages and is advanced enough to have space travel and whatnot it's you can't expect them to so plainly stick to one ideal because that's just not really how life works. Sure, yeah, yeah, and so, so yeah. I mean, that's 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 something that you can appreciate for uh, this episode for for sure, definitely. And it it works works very well. Um. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I the slight feelings of boredom that I felt at parts in the episode. Uh, I don't to me they're starting to feel outweighed by the the strong parts of this episode that do work i mean you know you know what we you know what a, a comparison might be which might be a little, a little hacky but um if, if you look at the star wars prequels where they kind of set up this um this framework for a world that that the older movies didn't didn't give us really they they were they were a very tight plot mm. and, and and the prequels gave us all this like you know background stuff a lot of lore type stuff and they weren't good they weren't good but but what they gave us in terms of lore was so interesting that you wanted to dive into it there could be a little bit of that going on here yeah I feel that in terms of like follow-up episodes might be better mm. but because of what this did to set them up it's notable and to be honest, I think those, all those things are all important in uh, individually. Yeah, you can have a strong narrative, and of course, that's really good. But creating a um, an inviting world that people just want to know more about is an, incredibly valuable. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll do more for audience engagement than the narrative will. Right. I mean, I, well, I mean, look at the. Uh, the uh, in our world what how people treat Klingon the language the, that culture it just kind of hmm. is interesting unto itself uh, bereft a right. narrative right right yeah, yeah, totally yeah it's 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 a novelty um and episodes like this are really what helped get it there it wasn't the, yeah, totally the the original series Klingons that people felt endeared to. <laughs> no. And it wasn't the movie Klingons either, because that was that was a lot more focused on, like, how can we revamp them visually and not necessarily culturally. Right.
1: I don't even... Um, this
0: isn't much of a revamp as it is just a, a defining. Right? Like, this is... Um, yeah, yeah I suppose so. This is the first time it's really been explored in this amount of depth. I, I wish right. everything was not, you know, lit in red. It's a... It's a bizarre cultural choice, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of liked the, this episode for doing... This episode was very different in terms of its cinematography. Yes. Um, there's a, there are a lot of shadows, even on the Enterprise. Yeah, and in, in the very first, maybe the second scene, when Turk... What's his name? Kurt? A kern, like a, like a corn kernel. Oh, kern. Okay, when kern beams onto the ship, he beams in, and he's almost in complete shadow, and then he walks a few steps forward, and then he enters complete shadow, where you can't even see the small parts of him that you could before. And I it, thought there was something wrong with my TV.
1: <laughs> it's very dark.
0: I And to jump from the beginning of the episode to the very end, the final few shots I really enjoyed, visually. Mm-hmm. Of the yeah. that circle of Klingons shunning Worf and then the 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 far shot of everybody in the room and Worf leaving, um, walking away. Just from... Real quick, real quick. One of our uh, one of our buddies, Dave, was one of the Klingons in that circle. Yeah, we were hard pressed really for Klingons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We certainly. I mean, who wants to sit in a chair for three hours? You know. Well, it depends. Um, Is it... They didn't, they, I, don't, I don't think they paid him though. No, no. Well, you get paid in exposure. Yeah, yeah, which you know is normal, right? And uh, nobody thinks to tell them that you'll you'll be exposed, but in heavy Klingon makeup. <laughs> now, sp- yeah, speaking yeah. of heavy Klingon makeup, what did you think of of Worf's headpiece prosthetic in this episode? Was it different? I don't know. I don't remember, but <laughs> <I> don't... <laughs> so you're just asking me what I think of,
1: of Worf's forehead in general. Well, now.
0: let me go on, because in the first scene when Worf beams into the high the grand chamber, whatever, high council, the the, the high council, yeah, that's it. Um, the, wait, is it the high council? The grand room? Yeah. The big room? I guess it's the high council. You got me like two second guessing myself now. So, he the way he holds his head, and the way the camera's shot, and the lighting, lit from above, shot from below, with Michael Doran kind of yeah. cocking his head up. It, yeah, it, he does that, yeah, I know. It's it's like the headpiece is sliding forward a bit, like, over his eyes more than usual. And it looks very, very off. I, I thought it looked like complete shit, to be honest with you. I... 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 <laughs> I have to agree that was a very awkward looking scene, which is a shame and because I didn't other than notice I noticed that until you brought it up. <laughs> I like I like Worf taking that stand. Like I'm Worf, son of Moog. and it's cool. Mm-hmm. But again, it really just highlights how poor that makeup can look. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of the lighting here, just to go back to that real quick, I do like okay. I do enjoy how cinematic this episode looks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it looks really good at points. I wish they would have kept the lighting normal on the Enterprise and then done the, the dark stuff. Make on the more of a planet. contrast between the two yeah. uh, societies. Um, d- do 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 that shit on Kling. Right. You know? Yeah, keep that shit to Kling. <laughs> Don't bring it here. Yeah. <laughs> Or sorry, what's what's the actual planet's name? I think it is Kling. No, no, it's not Kling. It's, it's that definitely was, that was Kling. An old one. No, no, no. that was an old one that no one liked. What is the name of the Klingon home planet? Kronos. Kronos. That's it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Kling was kicked around by. Uh, I I think it I think it appeared in in one of the scripts there's, that was used the, for this episode. There's definitely a time, in. Uh, either TNG or Deep Space Nine, where Worf says Kling, like he alludes to. There's no way Worf says Kling in Deep Space Nine, not I, in a million years. You don't suck my dick. He does either that or, deep, no or, or TNG, but there's no no he doesn't say it in TNG either. I swear to God, he Kling has never been uttered. Don't fuck with me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm googling. I'm no, I'm memory alphing Kling. Alright, nothing's coming up, but still. No one liked Kling. That's the thing. Oh, it's it's a terrible name. It's an absolutely terrible name, but. There was another name, too, that no one liked. Yeah, on. Klingo. (laughs) Uh, Klingo. Like a banjo It was weird, though, until. until... (laughs) Yeah. Until Kronos got sorted out, it was always like set course for the Klingon Homeworld. Oh well, that's true. And to be honest, after they landed on Kronos, I still think that's basically what they said. Oh uh, weird. Yeah. Kling. Can I interest you in some Kling? Like a weird cleaning product. It is, yeah. Maybe like a like a Velcro based like gets hair off of you or something. Right. I So this is going to be difficult for me to articulate, but something I enjoy about um, Star Trek different worlds is how they're always depicted as like a very small cavernous hallway with some hovels in the side of the wall. <laughs> like everything is very tight. It, it, it's reminiscent of the Legends of the Hidden Temple set. And um,
1: <laughs> there's just
0: mist on the ground. And this is like every single planet. That's not just yeah. outdoor oh, California. All all they need is uh, the the cast of the Next Generation to be hit with goo. <laughs> it's covered in it. Is that there's a monkey statue they have to assemble? <laughs> all right. So why don't we go through this chronologically? What? Uh, 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 why don't we go through this chronologically, this episode? What, is, what does chronologically mean? Uh, it's related to Kronos, the clayon homeworld. Oh, okay. Uh, ah, I gotcha. All like, right. Kronos. Kronos-logically. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> which also, um, yeah. So, the first person from Kronos that we see is, is Kern. <laughs> <laughs> This episode starts out with a a girl with a cute side ponytail. I didn't notice her. Uh, She's at 10 forward. 10 Uh, forward? bar. The episode starts in 10 forward? Yeah, it does. What? What is happening? Doesn't it? Maybe. I'm pretty sure it does. I I know they're like, oh, Riker just got finished his, you know, study abroad on on the Klingon ship. I'm sorry. It starts in the corridor. That's what I fucking thought. And then, wait, wait a minute. I swear to God it stuck... No, I swear to God there was a scene of Ten Forward at the very beginning. It just no one said anything. Okay. But there's a cute girl with a side ponytail. Now, we'll do this live on the podcast. Um, I'm going to put it down the, in the definitive ranking. Um, number one, ponytail. Number two, side ponytail. Number... I don't know, ninety-nine twin tails. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: <clears throat> They're functionally the same thing. Yes, I mean, yes, they tie up your hair so it's not all in your fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's not the discussion we're having here. What? What about the lazy housewife ponytail? Explain. So it's 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 like it's like a mix between a ponytail and a bun.
1: Uh huh.
0: You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of just like lazily tied up in the back and like sort of like going. Sort of everywhere. You don't know what I'm talking about? I'm googling lazy housewife ponytail. Despite it being a... Uh, a Don't do this. Wait, maybe do this? Don't do this. Um, slotted gross. Lazy housewives. Uh, it... <laughs> lazy housewives sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, jeez. I... Anyway. No, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. You're crazy. You're crazy. I have to find this now. Maybe I should spend more time with lazy housewives.
1: <laughs>
0: the more desperate, the better. Have you ever seen Desperate Housewives? Uh, eh, here and there. Well, you'll be perfect then for my... Desperate Housewives rewatch podcast. I'm planning. You like Desperate Housewives, huh? I've seen a lot of Desperate Housewives. If I'm being completely honest with you, that's a reality show, right? No, 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 it's a drama. It's it's, a, it's melodrama. a melodrama. Even it's like a it's like a primetime okay. soap okay. opera. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the the. The worst, the worst show I've probably ever watched to completion is Gossip Girl. That's, yeah, that has to be the worst show you've ever watched to completion. Gossip Girl's fucking awful. Well, and Gotcha on crowds. Yeah, that's, I'm with you on that one. Gossip Girl is great, what are you talking about? They talk too fast. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Am I wrong? I don't think so. Wait, you don't think I'm wrong. So no, you... I don't think they talk fast. Oh, no, they do. Am I thinking of a... Gilmore Girls.
1: <laughs> Gilmore <laughs> Girls, you asshole.
0: Don't act like this This. this mistake is beyond your capabilities. It's... <laughs> Gilmore Girls is... Well, I guess we are boomers. Yeah. And I was going to say it's a boomer show, but... Is Gossip Girl not... Gossip Girl came out like ten like, years ago. Hold on, Gossip Girl, two thousand seven. Gilmore okay. Girls. That's that's not boomer. <laughs> Gilmore Girls is two thousand. It's seven year difference. Seven year okay. stretch. Well, you're you're still pushing it to the point where millennials aren't going to be watching Gilmore Girls. Are they going to be There's watching Gossip Girl? Yeah. Two thousand seven. Yeah, absolutely. All I know is I, I have I have you know I know people who are of the not boomer age who have watched Gilmore Girls. Why are you hanging out with children, Mitch? You know why I'm hanging out with children. <laughs> uh, I can't find this ponytail that I'm talking about. I swear to god it exists. It might be called like a bun or something in Japanese. I don't know. A bun? Perhaps in the oven?
1: <laughs>
0: for what it's worth i've only seen japanese women do this maybe your uh, appraisal of their attractiveness was blinded by their ethnicity their uh i'm not gonna say it yeah maybe consider that that's but no but no seriously it's it's got now that you mention it, a white woman probably couldn't pull it off but a latina could okay now, does this have any bearing on whether or not she's smoking hot? This Latina. This mythical Latina.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what does have bearing, is whether or not she's uh, <laughs> over 30 uh, and or has kids. Now, how That's the point where she blows up like a balloon. How do Latinas scale into the late game? A late game? Yeah. What do you mean? Like if if I'm interpreting you correctly, the only time you will be enjoying a latina is probably in like the first ten years of knowing her okay, and that that's if you catch her like right out of being legal so you to put this another way, they scale a little bit worse, yeah, yeah oh yeah they scale terribly, okay, all right um. So unlike black don't crack, Latina do patina. <laughs> they do patina. <laughs> they patina hard. Hell yeah. Oh jeez. What about what about the ponytail that kind of takes like the the almost like bang area and like kinda pulls it back? You know what I mean? Like on top of the head? Yeah, yeah, like like you, you can obviously see the. I don't know how to explain it. Now, what I like are the ponytails that don't touch the bangs. Like I don't know if this is a halfback or what. That might be a football term. Um, but when. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. Don't pull the bangs back. Right, like let well, leave them. Let them bang. Is... What I'm talking about is like. Love, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We should drop this because we're just—it's just, just going to be half an hour of us searching through Google images. <laughs> okay. So the uh, second scene it's... of the episode. Uh... Okay, but I do. I do want to just note that twin tails are amazing, and you need to kill yourself. Oh, they look like shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They look like no, shit. Okay. okay. Um. So Kurt kern (laughs) (laughs) shows up and he's uh he's he doesn't endear himself to anybody and he bullies wharf he's he wesley hates him too yeah wesley hates him because uh because he hates wesley Mm -hmm. and Jordy too feels picked on i wonder i wonder what's going on here (laughs) what are you alluding to I don't know, is is Kern racist? <laughs> well, he picks on Jordy and, and Wesley equally, so Yeah, but Wesley is like a special. Certainly. You know. Certainly special. Special little guy. That that Wesley Crusher. Um and it's kind of I don't I don't think I buy Jordy's uh reaction to these events Him? no now that you mention it yeah no it's uh I, I see where you're coming from yeah Yeah, he should be better about this than he is G- Jordy has always been I feel like interpreted as a guy who will just like work his ass off right it's not somebody that needs to be cuddled and right. when he's like oh he's making us work a double shift like okay yeah, yeah. then work two shifts Right, yeah, like, like J- <laughs> Jordy has been in a uh, a number of terrible situations. In fact, some probably some of the worst situations any character has been in so far. Yeah, and he in, just... in terms of like, how much effort he has to put it in, yeah, you never he never bitches about it. No, but we have to make sure the audience knows that this Klingon is a little brusque. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, he you know.
0: I don't, I don't understand. Is because when, when, uh, Riker was serving on the Pogue or whatever. Pog. The Pog. The Pog? I, I, the G might be silent. I think, no, I think, oh, I don't know. That might be the difference between the two words, uh, you know, the, the ship and the, the Chi. No, the the G-, G is silent in one. And- the G is silent in the Chi. Let me make that yeah. known. Yeah, um, so so I, I think the Klingon ship is the Pog. Maybe I, I not. I think it's, Maybe it's the Pog. Yeah, but anyway, uh, we, when we, he was we... serving on there, he he was expected to acclimate to it, right? And he did. And so I, it's like I, yeah, and he th- he tells that to to Kern later. Um, Kern's having none of it because Klingon, but it, it it makes it makes the Federation look very effete, you know. Effete's a good word for it, I would say. Um. Because certainly they don't deal with it at all. Um, except Picard. Picard is fine. He's like, oh, I guess we'll just have to deal with our, our new first officer. Right. Right. <laughs> he, he comes on board and threatens to kill them all. And Picard's like, well, alright. I, I think in episodes like Oh, no, sorry not episodes but concepts like this it's they're constantly torn between depicting the federation as being um culturally relativistic versus uh taking a more universal stance
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah i, I mean because because you get those scenes like and I, i'm gonna come back to this for the next five years as we do this podcast but the scene where uh Riker um basically reprimand some alien for eating meat. Right. <laughs> right. But, and then you have the prime directive as a concept, which is, you know, the exact opposite of this. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and, and then you have this, which is the exact opposite of it, where, where a guy comes onto your ship and threatens to kill your first officer. And you just, you're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> I, I wished it was more consistent. Because if you take either of these and universally apply them, you can create interesting situations, interesting moral dilemmas. Um, but when you pick and choose, it just comes across as more inconsistent than anything else. And not, mm-hmm. not, not, not yeah, in definitely. a particularly satisfying way. Definitely. Yeah, it, it, it seems to suit the whims of whoever's writing. Right. So, not a big fan. Granted, this yeah. stuff is not the focus of the episode, so whatever, but could have been better. Yeah, it's 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 mostly used uh to set up this, this wharf Kern scene in, in Kern's room or whatever, but um, but anyway, we, we have a minute till we get to that, I think. Um <laughs> just blows by. It does. Yeah, so so Wesley and Geordie are complaining to Riker in ten forward, mm-hmm. right? and then we go back to we go back to the bridge right yes and kern kern is bossing around everybody but wharf he's being yeah yeah, yeah. This, this this is this is where this is where he he goes up to the wharf and dishonors him right yeah in a in a very i don't know somewhat subtle way it didn't really feel like uh, a he, <clears throat> Like he's a very, grand condescending. he's sure. very condescending. Sure, um, condescending. Yeah, you know, he's like, "Oh, good, good job." Yeah, he's condescending.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: That's so... the, the that Luchowski movie. Condescending. Nice. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Thank you. Um, yeah, and this culminates in the dinner scene. The dinners, yes. The oh god, that's actually that's the first time we see the uh, the captain's like eating dining hall or whatever. The captain's mess, as Riker refers to it. But and when when yeah, but when when we show up there, it's not in a state of disarray at all. (laughs) Maybe maybe they blessed it beforehand. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, fun thing about that scene, the dinner scene, the script and ultimately the final production called for Picard to be carving a turkey um, yeah. during that. But, um, Patrick, the actor, not the, uh, I uh, don't not the character, but had no idea how to do that. Um, he, his words, the English were quote, too dignified for Turkey, which didn't make sense to me because I've seen him enjoying kebab on several occasions before that. So Yeah. Weird to be against Turkey only sometimes. It's possible he didn't know. It's, he doesn't know a lot of things, so I wouldn't. I I I, I subscribe to this theory. Was he eating the kebab with rice? No, but that would have been the better way to enjoy it. You think so? Yeah, actually, I'm almost one hundred percent certain. Historically, it's 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 been enjoyed with uh, with. Um, you know, bread, pita, pita, if you want to call it that. I do pita, pita. I I just I just think having having kebab with rice is a little bit degenerate. That's all. Degenerate, huh? In what way? Culturally insensitive. To whom? The Turks. The Turks. The young ones or the old ones? <laughs> The young young ones uh, the young uh, like 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 Hassan, <laughs> well, we should poll him on the matter, actually, yeah, actually, uh ensigns at Hassan for us, is it okay to eat kebab over a bed of rice <laughs> That's the question of the hour, yeah, so they are at that dinner scene, and there's a very strange exchange strange exchange where um, riker it basically everybody's complaining about kern right to his face um, <laughs> presumably in good fun but riker says something "Oh, you know when i was on the pa i fit in with everybody but this asshole's is not doing that at all and then jordy says yeah what a dick no offense of course you're uh. right <laughs> <laughs> so i um, strange just strange we learn we learn that picard keeps Uh, caviar on the ship yes which doesn't seem like it would last very very long I'm tickled that first of all that's true but I'm tickled by the notion that um, the replicator can't get some things right but it presumably can get other things completely right because nobody complains about them Mm -hmm. Um, uh, this is the first time we've we've really heard a, a complaint from someone in the federation about the replicator right do you do you view this as significant significant maybe not but kind of i'm kind of perturbed by it because you know like you said it it raises the question of like why does it get some things right and others not it makes sense when it's trying to replicate alien stuff but yeah not the the native stuff of the people who built the damn thing right and what is so mysterious about about caviar it's just fucking eggs (laughs) <laughs> like oh because it's a rich or rich food like it costs a lot of exactly. money the replicator that's, can't get it right
1: that's exactly what it is
0: <laughs> you could literally you could literally go down and scoop this out of, out of the sea or whatever <laughs> feed that into the computer too much for our replicators yeah
1: it's <laughs>
0: sorry captain but but like given the, the, given the market value of this egg I don't the, know if we'll be able to replicate it. The much more infinitely complex like chocolate dessert dish that's you know processed and made from thousands of different things. Replicator nails that, but um, just simple natural <laughs> eggs that's it, yeah, beyond its capabilities. Maybe they need to pay food distributors to be able to replicate. They need to pay them royalties.
1: <laughs>
0: Do the fish collect on this? <laughs> maybe they're sentient now (laughs) oh boy yeah stupid scene fucking stupid i I do like how he just spread it on his turkey though yeah that was funny that was was a nice touch um i did not like how how picard grimaced when he spit it out though why not he was very offended he was very offended by it yeah he's like this is our finest dry ass turkey in the in the Federation. No, 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 no. He spit the caviar. That's why Picard is offended because he was like, no, oh, it's my I, finest. I thought he spit the turkey. I thought he spit out the caviar. Are we ever going to settle this? <laughs> Are
1: you? <laughs>
0: new new Splatfest. <laughs> Turkeys. <laughs> that might be the stupidest thing you've ever fucking said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, so after this, Worf Worf goes in to he confront He Corners him in his room. He corners him. <laughs> Are all the rooms so comfortable? And Worf's like, "Yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever." <laughs> you Do you not freak? sleep on a bed of nails?
0: Uh, it has thinned your no, blood. No, no, no. And that's that's the point where I've kind of I kind of drop out of this where it's like, okay, Klingons are not okay with like sleeping in like a normal room, right? It's you know, whatever. There's no honor in being comfortable All right It's a little extreme, but in any case, uh, he learns that uh, Kern is his long lost brother, yada, yada, yada. The sons of Moog united at last. Yeah, Moog has been dishonored because. Uh, apparently, the Klingon Empire blames him for allowing the Romulans to attack the Kittimer outpost. Right. And, and kill everyone there. I'll say I'll this. Everyone. Kittimer, great place name. What's that? Fun to say. Kittimer? Kittimer. Kittimer. For the attack uh, on Kittimer. Kittimer. The attack on Kittimer. Kittimer, 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 Kittimer. Oh, I'm a kid, I'm i <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking not Ro- bad. Romulan assholes. So now, we're has to go to Picard and say, I have to leave. Um, fish watch, there's no fish. No, fish. no the, fish. The monger was unemployed for a time. We didn't commission mm-hmm. him. No. I, eventually, the, the show became good enough to not need fish. Right. As like a spectacle, much like much like the music scene of the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move on too hard, I just want to point out: I I found it funny that even um, in the far future, white people food is still so fucking bland that that nobody can eat it. As as Kern picks out, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. That was uh, that was kind of a, a a thing with that scene, wasn't it? yeah it's part of the cultural I don't know exchange, I guess, but mm-hmm. it's like yeah your your food's too bland, whitey, A cracker mm-hmm. i I can't enjoy it, and you know, art imitates life this all the white people on cast, myself included whenever we had the uh the spread out and you know pick your food. A lot of yeah, lo- a yeah. lot of people went for just the uh, the unseasoned chicken breast. Well, yeah, that's why we had it because you know most of our cast and crew is white, so um, we we can't resist the temptation, right? You know, it just calls to us. And then we had you know the pot full of uh, you know jambalaya for the more ethnic members of the cast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was inspiration for Captain Cisco in Deep Space Nine cooking jambalaya very often. Right, right. Even though I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think the actor really liked jambalaya much. No, no, um, too jumbled. He would say, mm. Mm, "Jambalaya." <laughs> what is that? Why do I know that? Where, where does what is this from? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just said it like that. No, there's definitely something where um, <laughs> some character is like feasting, feasting, or like looking too feast he says mm, jambalaya it's as stupid <laughs> as it sounds but this definitely exists <laughs> i'm not insane all right i don't, I don't know i'm sorry maybe i'm insane i don't know but this definitely is a real thing um anyway anyway we go we finally uh, uh picard says uh let's go to the klingon home world no and, and we finally This is what? after this they haven't gone have they talked about Moog being dishonored yet? Did this yeah. Okay.
1: yeah, right, yeah all right, all right. this
0: brought this up? Alright, you're good, you're good. Then they go You never s- listen to what I say. No, I really don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking boring. Yeah, we go to Kronos and uh, I, I have to point out the Matt painting. Once again Matt outdid himself. <laughs> Um. It, it, did you notice the people walking behind the pillars? No. Tell me about it.
1: Well, talk seriously? To me.
0: No. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if if you, I I listened to, to uh Mike Okuda talk about this and like how they did it, and it, and no matter how many times I hear it, it goes over my head. But there is the matte painting,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you see the great hall, mm-hmm. and um there's outside the entrance, there's like these pillars lining the walkway and this... there's, there's people walking behind the pillars, which are part of the matte painting, the matte painting. Yeah. Okay. So how... I just think it's, it's super impressive. It is. I wish I noticed it, but it's cool. Certainly. <laughs> they <shoot> it twice. <laughs> like, it's not like that was the focus of the shot. The second time it was. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> well then <laughs> but anyway anyway yeah we end up in the 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 great hall uh we have um chancellor chancellor right i don't think his Kempe- name is chancellor chancellor but sure Ch- <laughs> he, he is a chancellor right kempec yes um played by charles cooper which is extremely confusing because he played a klingon in star trek 5 mm. uh basically the same character uh, Did- but more drunk did you know that Charles Cooper has his own micronation? It's where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. Cooperstown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't know that belonged to him. Yeah, uh, that's why it's named as such, and uh, I imagine he'll pass it down to his son, um, Charles. I, I imagine he has already. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> given given how long ago this was. Um, but yes, yeah, so so we see the, the Great Hall is a, an exceptional set. I yeah, think. I agree. Uh, it looks really cool. It's got a lot of cool uh, geometry to it. Nice lighting. Um, one thing I will note is is the, the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually a lot smaller than it looks on camera. Yes, by far. Because if, if if you if you imagine the Great Hall, like in canon, basically you want to cut that in half because what they would do was um they would redress it to fit whichever end we were supposed to be looking at as an audience and uh so so you know at 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 one point it would be the front of the great hall at one point it would be the back but it was always that one half right um and i think it was around day four or five that everyone kind of collectively decided that it would just be easier to flip the scene horizontally in post which was rather than an inspired decision of filmmaking yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of <laughs> kind of the natural conclusion. Natty, but it is it is a great set. Definitely, it uh, it evokes a lot of um, the the notes you're trying to hit with the Klingon culture, just in its mm-hmm. visual design. So yeah, it, I mean, it's really cool because, like, um, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Richard and Jim who. Won the Emmys for this episode based on their kind of visual interpretation of Klingon culture, which I think was, I I, I think it evokes kind of like a a Southeast Asian kind of vibe. Right. All the more credit to our Klingon weeb discussion from earlier. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it it looks really cool. Um, And yeah, I like it. It's one of the like stronger points of the episode. I mean, and it, it was, I talked about Worf's makeup looking like shit, but basically every other Klingon, their costumes, their makeup, um, I thought looked quite good. And yeah, yeah. It, to it, me, Surprisingly, too, because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. To me, it calls into question why the Klingons have seen as much visual redesign as they have since TNG. Um, I don't... Oh, yeah. Like, why? Why? This it just looks great. <laughs> yeah, I mean the. Uh, if, if we're talking about uh, discovery,
1: those, those
0: designs are bad. Hell yeah, they are. They're awful. Why? Why even? Yeah, Klingons were perfected, in... I don't even know if if I don't even know if TNG did it or if the movies did it first. True, but whatever but, design. Whatever this iteration of the design is, um, is perfect. It's perfect, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to note, though, that uh, the Klingons do look really good. You're right. But uh, all of those costumes, besides basically besides Worf, were just reused costumes from the films. Yeah, I, that's that's going to be a recurring theme across all of Trek yeah it's it's just kind of funny because you can kind of you can kind of tell they're like a little bit old Mm. it's i mean you look at any extra in a federation uniform you see the same thing like that's a holdover from season one and two they still Mm. haven't gotten everybody a new uniform yet which points to like budget concerns in the federation that are kind of funny to think about (laughs) right I, you know, I guess why get rid of a good uniform? Right. Maybe everyone's just sentimental. <laughs> I like my old uniform. <laughs> yeah. It, going back to Deep Space Nine, let that phrase sit for a moment. Um, in one episode, everyone just has a new uniform. It's in the middle of a season. And um, I believe... Like forever? Yeah. It's It's just a change that happens from then on. And I believe those uniforms came started in one of the TNG movies, um, where it's like the gray top, the gray cut at the top yes. of the shirt, and yes. then the undershirt has the coloration on it. Um, right. Yeah, they just adopt those in the middle of season five, <laughs> I think.
1: That's nuts.
0: Yeah. And there's like one throwaway line where someone's having their eyesight tested by the doctor, and he says, oh, does my uniform look brighter to you? Um and it's like, oh, well, it's the uniform. Like, oh, yeah,
1: uh,
0: kind of dumb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn,
0: that's that's really weird. In it though. So, um, going back to this, uh, we 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 didn't mention though that Kern is 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 uh, Worf's Chadich. Chadish. 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 and um, Chadish. that's another Klingon cultural thing that's just kind of. You you know you understand it, but you don't really. Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in a cool way where it feels like there is something to understand, like there is a culture here. Um, yeah, and you don't need to understand it to the degree that uh, that you know, uh, memory alpha wants to. Right. <laughs> but the point. Is, so Kern becomes his chadish in in that. Uh, there's a cool moment where Worf pulls rank. There's like these different. Types of rank being pulled, where it's like Kern, oh, he's the first officer, but Worf's the elder brother. And then Mm -hmm. Worf's, Kern is Worf's Chadish. And, um, that, the fact that Kern immediately relents to that, it's like, okay, this is an important element of the culture. Um, there's, yeah, with that stated, there is no power struggle. And, uh, that's neat. And then Kern, in the role of Chadish, gets fucking dunked on. Um, Kind yeah, of well, they they have the assassin. They try to assassinate him in a very silly moment. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, just two ends of a hallway. Guys like kind of step out of the mist, and Kern does this like <laughs> silly battle pose. <laughs> it's, it's very mustache twirling on the part of Duras, right? And uh, very TOS tier action. Yeah, here, good way to describe it. Um, so I, you, that does knock this episode down a little bit. Yes, but it opens the door for Picard to become Worf Chadish, which we mm. spoke of earlier how, how we enjoyed that. But It, it opens the door, mm. gets on the floor, walks the dinosaur. Mm. Funny Chidish story. I believe one time Brent asked Frakes to be his Chidish, and then Frakes just <laughs> slapped Brent to the ground. Uh. (laughs) that was at a that was at a rap party wasn't it yeah yes and the party continued without missing a beat to be to be sure um (laughs) but that was the end of their non of their informal relationship obviously they still work together but i don't think i ever heard them exchange any words from (laughs) then on well you, you know you know what i think i think brent touched the nerve because the one of the initial ideas, I don't know how many initial, initial ideas there were, but one of the initial ideas was that Frakes was going to be, or, sorry, not Frakes, Riker was going to be Worf each Right. And he got robbed and, of that, that screen time and that right, Right, right. So, so Picard, Picard was kind of supposed to be like the lawyer type figure. Mm. Uh, With Riker being more of the enforcer bodyguard. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and then <clears throat> I think, I think it was Michael that was, he said, no, just, you know, cut, cut. Because we, we've had a lot of Riker stuff. Right? Yeah. So it's like, just cut Riker, make it simple, make make Picard the Chidich. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Frakes has ever kind of gotten over that. Certainly not. But it's nice that um, Brent remembered that. It really, is. It is. really plays into his self-proclaimed role as the jokester.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, Brent... He was, he was kind of the Loki of, of the crew. I thought he was high-key a jokester, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, this all goes oh, yeah, on. So, so. Picard becomes Chidish. Chidish. He becomes Chidish. Then he has to do some uh, investigating. <laughs> Actually, this isn't. This does not connect to this, but I thought Worf looked ridiculous with his little sash. Sash, yeah. I'm sorry, his second sash. <laughs> you've already voiced your concerns about his first sash yes yeah, so and now the second sash is uh even more suspect he looks very silly and they robbed him of the first sash but not the second one
1: <laughs>
0: which calls everything into question <laughs> well may- maybe duras was right re- uh reprimanded by by ah they don't do that again <laughs> Or maybe they thought it looked so silly they were kind of giggling, like stifling. Maybe that giggle. was the child's uniform to which they were referring.
1: It could be. <laughs> <laughs> you come uh, to us
0: wearing a child's uniform, Worf just standing there looking like a complete buffoon because <laughs> <'cause> he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Duras does challenge uh, Picard for, for a moment. And right. steps down from that challenge for very little reason. Picard, like, he responds by threatening him physically, but not at all an imposing figure, Patrick yeah, Stewart. Yeah, but, but he he can't, like, Duress can't kill him on the floor there. That's why he ends up sending assassins for him, but, uh, yes, you know, but much in the same way that Kern... The way he slinks down is not, it, it's very much depicted as him being intimidated. Mm. Yeah, uh, you might be right. That might just be like a, you know... Uh, Picard's so cool, kind of kind of moment. Yeah, like wow, even the Klingons respect him, right? Um, it is it is right after this that um, we have, well, a couple of things here. Crusher realizes that Worf is not the only survivor of the Kittimer massacre, right? Yes, um, that is Crusher, isn't it? That's surprising. In this scene is particularly interesting because. We see a, as yet, I think, unseen version of Crusher, Sans Coat. Right. right. This is a secret Crusher. Secret Crusher. We called her on set. We called her Naked Crusher. Um, and it's, it's maybe 13 seconds. Hmm. And this 13 seconds of footage was completely lost. And um, it became an issue when the HD version of the show was being put together. Particularly because this was this episode was on the sampler disc
1: hmm.
0: before the Blu-rays came out. Like, this was, like, the Blu-ray. It had um, Farpoint, this episode, and something lights? Light something? Ah, uh, fuck. Forget what the episode was. Light, Whatever. light of my life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the, but, but, the, the hidden light? No, something like that. It's the name it's of a like Beatles song. I remember this. It's the exact title. Um, go. on gonna you continue talking. Okay. Yeah. You you can look it up. I am. Um, <laughs> in any case, yeah. So so on the sampler, this 13 seconds of the footage was upscaled from the TV broadcast, and it had all that like ugly. Ba- banding and stuff like that and this this became a news item because it was suspected that this would just be never be found Mm. and on the official blu-ray releases that you know people would just have to kind of deal with it and what happened was eventually this this 13 seconds of footage was found at the last second in the form of an original reel in a uh, cbs executives personal collection Mm. i guess you might call it um, which is very fortunate. It is. It's you hear a lot about lost media and um just in unrecoverable footage, but for it to make to be recovered to to come back to us, very rare, very appreciated. Now the yeah, world and can um, enjoy the 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 naked hidden crusher. Exactly, exactly, it, and and you know <clears throat> it was very magnanimous. Of this executive to share his naked Crusher footage with us. Indeed. Magnanimous is the best way to to describe it. Best way to describe most things, even. Yeah, yeah. It's a big word. Yeah. You ever go to um, Magnanimous Festival? Oh, yeah, I go there every year. Yeah, MagFest. It's a (laughs) lot of fun. So, I looked this up, by the way. It's the inner light. The, yeah, that's it. It's the Interland. Which, as I said, is the title of a Beatles song. Mm-hmm. And don't you forget it. Is it? It is. Mm. No cap. How does it go? Um, It's... I don't know. It's a fucking George thing. Like, it's got this... um. Ironman. Yeah. It's a grill that you press. And... Uh... <laughs> anyway, what... Where are we? Picard is the Chidish? Picard's Picard is the Shidish. He's the sheriff. And we didn't we didn't mention this, but Picard Picard has a line where when Worf asked him to be the Tadish. Yeah, he like vomits. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know this, but um the, the the Klingon that he speaks is actually that was actually born inspired, I would say, um, from Patrick's inability to verbally parse Korean. You remember this I do
1: he um, tried
0: for some reason but he couldn't get there we had we had a, a karaoke session I think it was mm. and, and uh, right uh, and the machine we had only had uh, Korean songs yeah, yeah yeah exactly and 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 Patrick you know bravely decided to uh, to sing one song that night and um I remember we all kind of looked at each other and we were like, this sounds like Klingon. Do you remember what song he was singing? Oh, God. I know it had some English. It was something like on young, on young, I'm young.
1: (laughs) Something (laughs) like that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But for you
0: you figured it out before I did, I was, I was thinking really hard (laughs) for a minute. (laughs) <laughs> but from that we got um uh chadish which is now part of trek culture and uh, yeah more. so you can thank the koreans for that i thank them for a lot of things
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: we like k-pop here we do um the k stands for korean what yeah um, I know you always thought it was Kilimanjaro or some such, but no. Yeah, I was always, I was always telling you how much I love Kilimanjaro pop. Exactly. You, you'd always be like, what, what are you talking about? I always thought you were so. referring to like when you get 10, 10 kills in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I do like that too. That's the best kind of pop. Oh, it pop. <laughs> 10 kills in a row pop. I, I, love when that, I love when that Kilimanjaro pop. Would you say that shit poppin'? I, I would say that shit cray. Ah, like the fish. Like, yes, yeah, like the fish. The crayfish. Yes. The craven fish. Wes Craven Fish? <laughs> Wes Crusher Craven Fish? Crusher? I hardly know her.
1: <laughs> all right all right <laughs> stop
0: uh sorry what's that i, what I just kind of blacked out for a moment There's, yeah where are where are we in the plot here um uh, i'm losing the plot picard, picard goes to because because riker informs picard of the woman that crusher tells him about that survived right. the kid oh, Masquer- this is another piece of lore what is the name of this woman? It's it's Kraylis. Kaylest. K Lest. Okay. The name of the Klingon yeah, hero
1: <laughs> is K <K-Less>. Yes.
0: <laughs> Without a T. <laughs> now it's not insane to think that this is a female a feminization of that name. Um, which is You're kind saying you're saying K got feminized? <laughs> <laughs> um but Yes. <laughs> now, I, this K-Lest, the character, the lore piece, is not mentioned in this episode, but you have to think, did they come up with that name independent of K-Lest? Or was this... I 100% believe that they did. <laughs> then it's a happy coincidence. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is like people being named Jesus. Right? Exactly, yeah. So it's it's not all that in uh, incoherent or anything. Or incongruent. But it's just like it's it's kind of like you know you, like, you just know that they, they didn't plan this. You just know that Kalis was forced feminized. Kalis, <laughs> here, here, here's here's the real red pill. Kalis in this episode is just Kalis who has survived for hundreds of years or whatever, <laughs> and has been feminized. Now was that was that necessary to survive to live incognito as a as an elderly woman? Uh, I mean, if if you're Godric, you yeah. know, hell yeah. If if you're Godric the Grafted, now here's something from has had forced feminized characters before in their games. Mm. Um, the son of the final boss of Dark Souls One was forced to live as a woman because he was so. What was it? What did you say? If fat. Uh no, no uh, effeminate, though. Yeah. That's uh, that's kind of hot. Yeah, I mean, we've all we've all busted one out to that. It's no yeah. sh- No I'll shame in it. No shame in the, you, you, In a midnight talk. you got, your, uh, you got your, <laughs> your Bridget from Guilty Gear. <laughs> there we go. Um That was a classic one. Astolfo. Astolfo. Yeah, we we know, we know a guy. You know a guy who's uh pretty into the uh Mr. Uh, Mr. Penders. Right. Approvement uh, pending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I make you this promise. You and I, we're going to get through this episode.
1: <laughs>
0: and no one's going to okay. stop us. Picard, Picard goes to find K-Lust, who is the reawoken, reawakened, uh, feminized, version of Kales the Klingon folk hero yeah and wow this my the gears are just turning in my head um her mere existence is enough to disprove Moog's supposed uh traitorous actions I do want to note real quick uh Thelma Lee is the actress here um she's acting very hard she is uh very much so. But yeah. when this episode is already considered sent in for Emmy consideration, is it any wonder that the actors would also try to get in there?
1: <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Fair <laughs> and enough. For her role as as I was gonna say for her role as Thelma Lee. Uh for her role as <laughs> Kaless, the Emmy goes to Thelma Lee! <laughs> <laughs> Thelma Lee! <laughs> yeah so she's she tells picard i can't help you and then he walks out yeah but then she does help him well he gets attacked right and you know astute viewers will notice in this scene that picard fucking kills a guy he kills a guy (laughs) (laughs) which patrick was very happy about yeah he wanted picard to quote shed some blood and it's, it's no coincidence that uh, that this scene is, or this episode is so close in proximity to the scene where he, quote, goes on vacation. Right. Uh, and has a very sexy encounter. It was kind of a, a, a one-two punch of trying to make Patrick happy. I think we all saw Picard as a kind of, um, how to best put it, James Bond figure. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. Suave. Suave. Death most definitely wanted by everyone mm-hmm. and yeah, capable as capable and at home with a knife as he is with um you know the craps die or the captain's chair or the captain's chair I, how how many times did you sit in the captain's chair while no one was looking? I'll be honest with you, an embarrassingly large amount, and um Sometimes just when it was me alone in the studio in that chair I would gesture to nobody in particular and say engage. Um, <laughs> it was it was great cuz I mean the one thing is like when you were sitting in it you were kind of just looking at like a like a mess like, the, like there like there's a wall there like it was like right like cameras you know what just I mean? with nobody manning them pointing downwards. Yeah. So that was pretty bad but if you kind of just kept your head down you could imagine the, you know the view screen in front of you, you close your eyes and yeah yeah now have you ever met one of those people who has a captain's chair installed in their living room Mm. happy to say i haven't ah well you best hope it stays that way i would say not not a good place to be all right who would you trust less? trust less wow who would you trust less? k-list <laughs> That's what tripped me up. All this K less K less talk. Well, K less buys her shoes at Pay <laughs> Who would you trust less? Someone who has Kirk's chair in their in their living room, or someone who has Picard's chair? uh well, the Kirk's chair person is most certainly older, and I think that the older audience places more honor on being trustworthy. So I would trust the Picard chair haver less. See, I would trust Picard more. Really? Why is that? Because I think I think Trekkies from the original series are deranged. <laughs> it, now, is a deranged person bereft of honor and and trustworthiness? Yeah, so it makes them deranged. I see. You know, I never How do you quite... trust a deranged person. <laughs> you say this like, um, like it's just a complete non-starter. Are you that put off by the deranged? I guess I'm ableist. I don't know what to say. They're not, like, criminally deranged, which is its own subsection of, of <laughs> I suppose mental so. illness. I, okay, then I don't trust autistic people. Let's just leave it at that. Well, I, yeah, I think we all agree with that. I, I have to note that Data says censor in this episode. Yeah. Now, do you think that's, like, his contraction problem? <laughs> Data is just a like a, a walking contradiction. He's contractionally obligated to speak properly. Mm,
1: not mm. bad, not bad.
0: Thank you, thank you. Um yeah, Data's he's he's an enigma to be certain. He's a what? An enigma. Oh, oh, oof. Sorry, sorry. I'll I'll, I'll enunciate more yeah, clearly this sure time. I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> oh. Uh yeah, so Picard kills a guy Hell yeah, he does. And then he brings her back. She's like, okay, I'll help you now. Well, okay. Her back. This this makes sense, by the way. I'm not going to harp on that. She is Klingon. Picard demonstrated honor. Sure. Okay, fine. Sure. He demonstrates In honor. <sighs> uh, he brings her back to the Great Hall. Uh, Kempek takes them into his little room. Kempek, by the way, great name. Kempek, yeah, it's good. It's we lot- we, we, haven't, we haven't noticed that K-Lest has called Kempek fat already. <laughs> yeah, and she comes back for seconds, much like Kempek presumably did fat. in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she should have done it more like, um, like somebody talking to a cat, like, "Oh, you're just a little fatty, aren't you, Kempek?" Aren't you a little fatty boy? Oh little fatty boy, you're a heckin' chunky woman. Yeah, is Ken Peck a heckin' chonker? <laughs> I, I have I have to say he's endearing. He is. He is. And um he tries to offer uh Worf the way out of this. He's like, Don't don't die on multiple the Sylworth. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple times he's like, just get out of here. Which is, it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it makes you, like, kind of be like, okay, he's not, like, a terrible guy. Yeah, he's not Duris. He's not Duris, uh, who also uh, can't act. No. Apparently. But I don't think he's uh, trying as hard as Keyless. Patrick Patrick was more a, more a writer, I think, than an actor. I, I, I know he came back for DS9 as a writer. Yes. For, for certain episodes? Certainly. Yeah. Um, so, I can sort of forgive him. I guess. It's kind of kind of casting's fault that he can't act. He did end up bringing something of worth onto the world, so um, I can't begrudge him too much. Whereas Thelma Lee did not. No. No, definitely not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so so we learn here that uh, it was his father, Duras' father, that actually was the traitor, but he's from a very wealthy and influential family, so if that becomes known. There's going to be like a civil war or whatever, and that can't happen, right? Yeah. So no that they, that didn't that didn't sit well with you, huh? Wait, what do you mean? Didn't? It, it, well, you yeah. you said it. Well, you said it wasn't engaging or. No, I mean it's it conceptually it's fine. It's just I, I I made this point. It's not the events, but rather the scenes in which they they play out just aren't written to be super engaging. Like when you oh, describe okay, sure. this plot to me, yeah, it's fine. It's a nice little thing, but. Um, there's not a lot of intrigue, and nor is there a lot of intellectually stimulating dialogue. So, so, so you you take a bridge with with Kempek taking them into his little room and, um, basically spouting exposition for
1: like five minutes. Yeah,
0: and everything's just kind of wrapped up very, very cleanly, very quickly, the... and yeah, and cleanly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the conceit that they pin it pin it on Moog because um, Worf is off fucking with the Federation, and they don't know about Kern, so nobody would realistically care about this. It's like, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, it does, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's nice. It is. But the episode kind of, it, like every Trek episode ever conceived into our world, it barrels towards its conclusion within the final three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> that's that's true because. You know, now, 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 um, Ken is, is saying, you know, Worf, uh, you're gonna have to die now because we can't present, uh, lests evidence to the public. And then Worf says, I'll give you something better, I'll let you excommunicate me, <laughs> which <laughs> is, I guess, better than death. Which, I, I don't know, makes sense, I guess, for Klingons, but it's still kind of silly. The logic coming going on here is um, surprising to me. (laughs) That I would... Yeah? Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. I just don't... I don't really get it other than uh, the episode... Worf can't die because he's a main character. But to me, it feels like that's a very loose end to leave untied for for all of this. Well, the thing is, like, death is honorable. Yes. No, that I get, but... They're not concerned with honor, they're concerned with covering this up, and so long as Worf is alive, let alone Kern, um, the, the idea that this could all come out in the future is very, very possible. And it does yeah, come out. they could easily kill either one of them. But they and don't. Yeah, it does come, you're, okay, you're, but the only reason it comes out is because Kempec gets killed, right? I don't remember exactly the events of that episode, but... I think, I think Kempec gets assassinated, and that's what gives them kind of the, the ability... Because, yeah, like like a a weird, like, Civil War starts, or like like a, there's a power vacuum. But, yeah, there's that, yes. So, Kemphek certainly dies, but I think Duras dies as well, because the two Duras women become responsible for um, manning that house. Doesn't someone kill Duras? He certainly dies. Um, I don't don't exactly remember. We'll get to it next season. That's next season's big hook. The Klingon Civil War. Um, well yeah we'll we'll uh, we'll like reevaluate all this <laughs> yeah we'll re- reevaluate all of this when that that happens um uh, yeah so so Worf says okay uh you can excommunicate me and then he, he looks at duras and he's like you're you're a bitch boy yeah <laughs> and uh he slaps him and Kempek nice. has a knowing nod to this which <laughs> i quite enjoyed <laughs> there's uh there's actually a, a really quick cut scene here um which i think is on the blu-ray i think hmm but in any case, um, Worf slaps him, and then and then in this scene, Duras he turns to Kempek, uh, just like you know he's incredulous, and he asks, uh, "How can he slap?" A mystery uh, that went unsolved. Yeah, uh, and it's it's kind of unfortunate because if if we left this scene in, uh, we wouldn't have had time to resolve the episode by having Picard and Worf walk out of the room, right? Uh, which was uh, you know extremely important. It's tough. It's You have to choose which one of your children to, to say. It's a real Sophie's choice.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You ever meet Sophie? No, you talk about her a lot, but... Uh... Yeah, well, the reason I say that is, and people might not know, I had a friend named Sophie, and she just could never decide what to get for lunch. It was always either, you know, Subway sandwiches or um, hot dogs. And mm-hmm. conceptually, those two things are of very similar conceit. So I, I, why she was so um, concerned with the choice really baffled me. But since then, any difficult de- uh, decision I've come to call a Sophie's choice. Sophie's choice. Yeah. How's, how's she doing? Uh, well, she died five years ago. But oh, yeah. we went to the funeral. Brandon, <laughs> did we? You were there. I, I mean, don't remember that. I cried for weeks. What? Is ridic- You're ridiculous. Huh. Yeah, whatever, guy. Anyway, the episode ends on a nice shot. <laughs> the episode does end and it's abrupt. It is, but it's it- very clear they wanted to, to fit at mm. least another 10-15 minutes into this episode and they couldn't. Yes. Now, I enjoy it ending on a very not, um, very untriumphant note, you know? Yeah, sure. Did Worf really win here? Not really. He didn't restore his family's honor. Um, No. And no one really gives a shit either. Right. Kern is living in secrecy. Like, he can't uh, come out about his house in the open. Or his sexuality. Right. That's another story entirely. Um, Kern's struggle with his asexuality um so very atypical place for a truck episode to end up yeah which, usually which you get kind of like a little bit of a resolution hmm. i would have liked to see like i don't know some acknowledgement from the crew about Worf's sacrifice here <laughs> instead of nobody but, giving a shit yeah it seems a little weird but again, there was a lot to fit into this episode, so yeah, could have been a two-parter. I think could there's enough content to mine here. Maybe you introduce a B that's, plot. That's the thing, though. Like, th- and this, this was another thing that Pillar was like really sort of adamant about at this point is that like we don't do continuations, we don't do two-parters. So this was kind of like the thing that breached that that wall there mm. in terms of, um, you know, ongoing plot threads was this episode. I think that it was kind of a first as a viewer, when, when an episode ends with to be continued and you don't know that, that that's going to happen. It's one of the most exciting things because if you're so drawn into an episode that you don't realize it's about to end, um, the idea that you have a whole nother story waiting for you is, Mm. is extremely exciting. And yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so when they don't do that, when they make this rule, oh, we're not going to have two-parters, we're just against it. Very baffling to me, because I don't really get what the gain is in, in that. Why Why ha- hobble yourself in the type of stories you can tell and the experience you can give to the viewers? I don't know. I guess, I guess it might be kind of an effort to not make it... Try to avoid kind of drama for drama's sake. Sure, certainly there's a an artificiality to some two-part stories that could have been whittled down. But when it's done well and it's just impossible to satisfyingly tell this story within 40 minutes, 43 minutes, um, not, doing, not doing a two-parter is just a disservice. So with, I yeah, guess sure. what I'm saying is with the appropriate amount of restraint, um, this is something that they should be doing and should look to do. Well we we did we did learn that, you know, very quickly after this, you know, because season 3 was kind of the birth of this show. Yes. And it ends with a two parter Yeah, so so very quickly we kind of latched on to that okay, it's fine to have ongoing plot threads. And then eventually you get to deep space 9 where the entire thing is kind of like kind of kind of has a backdrop of mm. of an ongoing thing. So I I I think it's it comes quickly enough. Yeah, I'd buy that. Fair enough. So Yeah, Michael Dorn accidentally flubs the Klingon word ha had diba by saying habida. And contrary to popular belief he did not get fired for that. No no he got fired for different reasons and then he right. was, he i was think sent it was sexual space conduct. station yeah yeah that's I, that, that's that's what deep space 9 is, is like a prison colony i was thinking while watching that um worf the design of worf in earlier works and later works has it's kind of up and down I really like Worf's hairstyle in earlier iterations, but the actual... Not too early. Not too early, but kind of where it's at right now. Yeah, I agree. But in later iterations, the um, the prosthetic, the forehead looks a hell of a lot better. And hmm. uh, Michael just gets better at acting, so Worf's face doesn't look stupid all the time. <laughs> How do you, I've always do you, kind of paid a lot of attention to the hair. Yeah, same, same. Which the ponytail doesn't work; it it never worked, no. and they stuck with it for such a long time. How do you feel about the the jaw movement of Worf? Whenever he's trying to display an emotion, he's kind of like he swivels his jaw around. Yeah, yeah, he's always doing that. He's always like smirking. Right. He always uh, puffs out his chest, takes a deep breath. Right. Um, <laughs> he went to the Freak School of Acting. <laughs> for made, sure. I think yeah. we made this joke before, but it's—they're both just terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're
0: very bad, but they're—they're they're endearing, though. That's the thing. So they get away with it. True. Uh, anyway, so how many how many saucer seps for this episode? Um, yeah. If I if I could do two point seven five, I would, but I can't. So I'm I'll be more generous and say three. Wow, two point, wow, you ass. I would say four or five, four point five. Wow, what? out of five? Yeah, yeah, wow. I mean, i can I can understand why you like this episode, but I would I'm shocked to hear it's it scores that high. <laughs> like legitimately shocked. I'm beside myself. I mean, to be fair, this episode is often cited as like, this is in, like, a lot of top ten lists and stuff. Like, a lot of people like this episode. Really? I, I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I guess I guess this is your uh, uh, yesterday's enterprise for me. You know? Yeah, I'd buy that. I mean, there's no accounting for taste, which is a phrase I hear bandied about, but don't exactly know what it means. Or rather, in, <laughs> what, in what context one should be using it, if it's an insult or a... or not.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and <laughs> now that you mention it i don't know either <laughs> you know somebody some some uninformed asshole comes in and he's like oh yeah i really like um all the season seven episodes that everybody hates and you can just kind of smirk and be like oh there's no accounting for taste right um <laughs> or if it's more of a agree to disagree kind of thing like i respect your opinion even know i don't share it there's no accounting for taste um right you could go either way it's a really uh it's a phrase with a lot of utility it is it is yeah you're right oh well um you got any trivia i'm still looking at ponytails oh jeez um okay yeah i have trivia hold on uh as always this is from our friends at memory alpha based friends this is the first episode that we uh, we find out Crusher's Doctor Crusher's middle initial. What is it? Fuck! Are you kidding me? Jesus. Yeah. Um, I want. Well, let me tell you, I have a one in twenty-sixth chance of getting <laughs> this. Well, you can rule out certain letters. I guess. I guess I can rule out B and C. I don't think they would double up like that. And X, and Z, Z, if you will. Q. I doubt it's Q. We already have one Q in the show. Two. Never rule out Q. Is that your life's motto? (laughs) Um... Fuck. Let's see here. I... Beverly... Beverly... You, You get three guesses. Thank you. Okay, I'll start with Beverly A. Crusher. Nope. Beverly... It might be C, actually. But I'm not going to say that. Beverly G. Crusher. Nope. Beverly N. Crusher. What's the N stand for? <laughs> I can't say. Um, uh, you're going to be really mad. It's C. Really? Damn. It's It stands for Cheryl. Beverly Cheryl. You want to know her, her maiden name? Nay... Crushed? What is she, a horse? (laughs) (laughs) What what is it? Howard. Howard? Like the duck? Beverly Cheryl, yeah. Beverly Cheryl Howard Crusher. That is... MD. Quite possibly the ugliest name I've ever heard. (laughs) Uglier than Gates McFadden? It's a run for the money, to be sure, but yeah, I think it is uglier. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well that's that's her name. Now now you know. Beverly Cheryl Howard Crusher. That's exclusively how I will refer to her from now on. Beverly Cheryl Howard Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Cheryl Howard Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Cheryl Crusher. Yeah, Howard yeah, sorry. Beverly Cheryl Howard. Yeah, you're right. That's that one up. And you will find, Howard! <laughs> and you'll find, Howard! And you'll find, Howard! <laughs> uh, I think that's going to wrap us up. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we'll be back next week for another top five episode of the series in one of our eyes and another bottom five episode in the others the other one. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, before we leave, i got to thank our sponsors, Denny's, uh, home of the Moons Over Miami and the Grand Slam, and the Tauntaun Men. Also, Pet Boys, uh, home of the Five Minute Oil Change. You drop the word Readier at either of these places, you'll get 15% off your purchase and or order. And uh, tell us about it. Tweet at us with the I'm Readier hashtag and show us your pictures of your Grand Slam and your car under the hood and we'll reply. We'll retweet you, get you some exposure. Um, we're all part of the Readier family, and we're all Readier as a concept. Um, we'll be back again next week, as I said. Until then, grip you and yours tightly, and please, as a unit, stay Readier. The troublesome little man-child. I stand before you, defraud. Condemn. To be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Answer. Engage. Do you consider yourself superior to us? Should have told him to mind his own damn business. But I stroke the beard, thusly. Do I not appear more. intellectual? Have you never dreamed
1: of climbing inside the bottle?